Welcome everyone to Celtic Preacher Podcast 78. Life can be aimless without a sense of direction, can't it? It can be aimless. Jesus, each time he met a potential new student, asked them to follow him. When Jesus called his inner group together, his 12 disciples, his 12 main students, each one got the same invitation. And it was like, follow me. Are you willing to come and follow me? And that call immediately gave the disciples a sense of direction. Today I'm going to be looking at our calling. We're go- I'm going to be looking at our calling. And I'm suggesting right at the beginning here of this podcast that we all have a calling. Steve Harvey said that your career is what you're paid to do. Your calling is what you were made to do. What were you made to do? What were you made to do? I mean, it just struck me in the reading of this text, we're in Matthew 4, calling of the first disciples. It just struck me that I think that, um, I'm going to suggest right at the beginning, before you start thinking about, you know, your calling and what you're good at, like engineering or cooking or math or music or parenting, let me suggest that the first call that supersedes all other interests, all other passions, desires and talents and hopes and dreams is to follow Christ. And that in turn affects how we do everything else. In other words, I think we were made to follow. I think this is, this is where we find our true selves when we follow. This is the call. No matter what age we are, whether we're retired or whether we're working or just starting off in college, or maybe you're not even out of high school yet, you're calling. This is what we were made to do. Learn how to follow the Christ. And I say learn very deliberately because it seems to be this lifelong process that we have. And it seems that there's only one prerequisite. There's only one thing. One thing is needed before we can follow, which looks like growing up really. Uh, It's here in Matthew 4 verse 17. I'll, I'll just read this verse to you. This is at the very front end of Jesus' ministry. He says, Matthew says in 17, Jesus begins his ministry with, From that time on, Jesus began to proclaim, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Now, that word repent means change direction. That's all it means. It just means, are you willing to change direction? It means, how open are you to changing? Because it seems that that's the one thing that's needed uh, before we can do any following, so to speak. We have to be open to change. So the first teaching of Jesus, the first sermon, the first word of instruction to these first students is, um, are you open to change? Because you're going to have to be open to doing things differently. You're going to have to be open to thinking differently. Because thinking differently about something 
uh, or changing a behavior, that's just what the Bible calls repentance. We don't use that word as often nowadays. We would use, are you open to change? And change is often the place many of us get stuck because it's difficult for us to let go of what's familiar. It's difficult to change. I mean, even if you want to change, it's difficult to change. But Jesus begins all his teaching with this one word, repentance, or how are you, are you willing to change your ways? Because the presupposition is we don't always get it right. We're not always on track. We need help getting back in the right direction. We don't naturally choose what he called the narrow way because the broader way is easier, we think. So he begins all of his teachings. This is the prerequisite. If you're open to change, come and follow me. Now, as I said, it's difficult. Just in the sense that it's difficult for us to be open to change. Um... I mean, it's difficult to rest and trust God when you're really anxious about the future, isn't it? Right? It's a hard thing to do. Or it's difficult to live without resentment when you've been truly disappointed. Yeah. What if you've invested a lot of time and energy into someone and it ends up that was not a good thing to do? That's hard. But Jesus doesn't require us to get our lives in order and then come. All he asks is this openness, this willingness to come. He doesn't say to the disciples or the future disciples, come and, you know, get your life together, get yourself sorted out and then come and follow me. It's more, okay, are you open to change? Because... If we're going to be in this together, students, you're going to have to be open to change. So let's look at the, the calling of these first students. Just briefly, I'll give you a couple lines here from Matthew 4. Simon and Andrew, they're fishermen. They're out in their boats fishing. And uh, Jesus appears and he calls out to them. Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. And they left their nets and followed him. Remember, we looked at that last week, why they just dropped everything and left, which is kind of a strange thing to do, right? We covered that last week. So there he is. He calls me. He says, follow me, and I'll make you fish for people. Now, the word fish means in the original language, it means to catch alive. Isn't that interesting? It means to catch alive. So it's like he's saying, follow me, and whatever, whatever else is going to happen, follow me is about a relationship, right? So he's, he's saying, he's inviting them to come along. Come and model your life after me. Watch me, see me, get to know me. And the result will be, you, you won't be just fishing for fish. You're going to be fishing for people. And remember that word was meant to, to capture a life. I think you kind of have to, we have to use our imaginations uh, in, in this. I think it's about, 
I don't know, it's about, you'll draw people up with your nets, n not just fish, you'll draw people, you'll, you'll, you'll capture them alive, you'll bring life to them because of your connection with me. It's almost like, you know how some people, you're with them and they just drain you. Have you ever had that experience? You, you're with someone, they're usually talking at you, and they leave and you just breathe a sigh of relief. You feel sort of depleted and empty and tired, right? You've had that experience. And then have you ever had the experience of the opposite where you feel alive in someone's presence and it's life-giving and it's nurturing and it's freeing? See, I think that's the presence of the Christ. I think that's life-giving. I think when we're I think what he's talking about here is bringing that quality into the world. He's saying to Simon and, and Peter and John, follow me. And there's going to be a quality about you that touches people in such a way that they'll be drawn to God. Which looks like healing. It looks like strength. I mean, is there anything more worthwhile than this? To, to, to leave a, a trail of healing behind you? Which is, of course, what Jesus did, right? People were strengthened by his presence. Yeah, the call isn't ever to draw people to us. You know, the call isn't for me to make people dependent on me, much as that I might appreciate that or think I need that. It's actually really not the call. Um, call isn't for me to make people dependent on me so that I can help them, so that I can fix them, so that I can guide them. It's, it's more about pointing people to Christ who can forever help and sustain whether I'm in the picture or not, right? I know that's a hard one, especially hard for parents, I think, um, or anyone who has someone dependent on them. But I think that's important because you're not always going to be there right? You're not always going to be there. So you want your, your loved ones looking to the right source for life. Anyway, at this point, Peter, Andrew, they don't really know exactly what they're getting into. They find out later on in the months and years ahead, but they do. They drop their nets and they follow him. There must have been something compelling, something intriguing, and they're certainly open to a radical change. They leave their nets. The word in the Greek is abandon. Remember, the New Testament was written in Greek. They abandon their nets and they follow. Literally, it means to walk away with him. They took on the yoke. Remember, we looked at that last week. They took on the yoke, which meant that the rabbi is saying, I wouldn't ask you to do this if I didn't think you could leave my legacy. Same pattern occurs with the next set of brothers who are sitting in a boat with their dad, Zebedee. Here again, the nets are left behind. And it's kind of symbolic, I think, at this point of their occupation. They're leaving their nets behind, Matthew points out to us. And interestingly enough, old Zebedee's left behind. There he is. He's left behind too. Zebedee left in the boat. It's like dad's left behind. How interesting is that? Hmm. What about dad? 
He's left behind. Well, when theologians look at this passage, they say that this is a pattern that repeats itself down throughout history. Remember, we're always looking at patterns. This is the whole purpose of the literature, the book, the scripture. We're always looking at patterns. When Jesus comes on the scene, there is always, always, always a a reordering of priorities. So for all the brothers, there's this new allegiance, a new loyalty. Now, the two things, let me bring this up to date, the two things that influence people most in their life, certainly here in North America, Europe, work and family, work and family. What happens in this passage is, Work and family are no longer top priority. Family takes second place. Work takes third place. This is key to understanding what it means to follow Christ. The things that were so very important take second place. And I'll I'll explain what this means. You know... Many of us, we we get this idea somewhere that if I bring God into my life uh, to help me with my family and my work and my hurts and my pains and my problems, uh, if I pay attention to God, then God's going to help me with all of these things. And that's not necessarily wrong, but it's a very, very limited way of understanding And it's a very North American way of understanding. It's a very 2020 way of understanding because it's kind of like, what's in it for me? If I follow you, how do I benefit? And that really isn't, that's really too limited. We follow Christ not to get things, right? That's a very 21st century way of looking at our spiritual life. How will it benefit me? Or how will it benefit my loved ones? Or how will it benefit work if I follow? Um, Tom Long, one of the theologians, said, the goal of the kingdom is not to serve us in being more effective and productive in our jobs. Okay, We're not interested in God so that we can be more productive. And I think you could add anything there. We're not, we're not looking to God so that we can, you know, solely have a better home life, a better, better parenting skills, a better marriage, relationships, partnership. That's the wrong order. I think the order is our work, our home life, our marriage, our parenting, our relationships are truly effective when they serve to express the will of God. In other words, I'm effective when I get in line with what God's doing. That's when I'm truly effective. When I get, as we spoke about last week, when I start to move in tempo with what God is doing. So there's this reprioritizing with Christ. Uh, God's not here to serve me. My task is to get in line with God's ways. God's not here to serve me. Now, 
at first hearing, you might think, well, that's, you know, this doesn't make sense. What's more important than our beloved home, our families at home? What is more important than that? What's more important than my wife? What is more important than my husband? What's more important than my children? And if you love your work, you might say, well, I love my work. I love my job. And I love, I put all my time and my thoughts and my energy into this. Surely God isn't asking me to give this up. And it's not about giving anything up. It's Jesus is calling for a different set of priorities. It's a reordering. Um, you're going to end up a far better parent, a far better wife, a far better husband, a far better whatever you do, if you have the priority right, because it starts to have a trickle-down effect on everything. You know, Jesus said, you know, do you know what motivates you? Because that's what leads you. Who are you following? Well, what motivates you? What motivates you? Can you see what guides you? You might be led by anger or misplaced anger. You might be led by peer pressure. You might be led by anxiety. You might be led by compassion. And, and a deep concern or uncondition, unconditional love. I mean, different people are led by different things. But Jesus' students, Jesus' people, are led by the Spirit of Christ, which looks like, I notice what's motivating me, I notice what's influencing me, and I stop and I ask, is that Christ's way? See, this is what it means to follow. You're basically stopping and starting all the time during the day. And you're thinking, is that, is that the way of Christ? Is this spirit-led? Am I in temple with God here, or is, or is this just my way of doing things? Or my hurts leading me? Many people are led by their hurt, their, their wounds. They're the ones that are difficult to be around, by the way. But to follow Christ is to, is to have... Christ lead us. That's why he said, are you open to change? That's why he said that right at the beginning. I mean, how open are you to change? Because you, you can be, you can take many wrong directions in one day. You could be called to make many changes just in a day. This isn't just like a one-off thing. You see, we might, ta we might tackle dif difficult situations differently if if, if the wisdom of God was sought after as a first thought rather than an afterthought. Because so much of the time, you know, we're, we're led by fear and anger and, you know, we're just reacting really to life. Well, reacting to react, that's not following the Christ. That's just reacting. You know, we might parent in a different way. It takes a lot of strength and security and a strong sense of self to say no and bear the aftermath to anyone. You wouldn't even have to be a parent. Any kind of boundary, it takes a lot of strength. I mean, no wonder parents get exhausted. It takes courage to break old habits of the heart that don't serve us well because we can make excuses for ourselves. You can say, well, I've always had a bad temper. Or I've never been able to express myself well. 
I've always been timid or I've always been impulsive. Well, yeah. But all these things and thousands more, that can all change when our priorities are in place. And learning how to follow, I mean, it is the task of a lifetime. And I think it's what we were made for. I think this is our calling. First and foremost, this is the call. Following Christ is learning how to see who or what motivates us to do what we do. And things can get clear when we see what motivates us. Things can get very, very clear. You know, that's why Jesus spoke and taught so much about the heart. It's like, what motivates you? Well, I want to be needed. Really? Okay. Is, does, is, is, that what, is that what Jesus is asking you to do? Just be needed in this world? No. See, when the brothers said yes to following, they didn't know exactly all what they were getting into. They would learn in the years ahead with Jesus to pay attention to that inner drive. You know, we all have this task. We're all asked to do the same thing. And if the leading, whatever, however we're feeling propelled forward, you know, it kind of has to be assessed. Is this the right energy or the wrong energy? They would, all the disciples would learn this. Simon Peter, you know, he would learn this in the years ahead. Simon Peter ended up actually being the leader, one of the main leaders after Jesus died. But as a young man, he was impulsive. I mean, he'd have to learn how to tame his temper with God's help. Uh, he'd have to pause and think before he spoke. That didn't come naturally to Simon Peter. He would have to learn these things over a lifetime. He was kind of violent too. He'd have to learn to calm down and think, you know. Now, you might not be like Simon Peter. You might have other areas that trip you up. You know, maybe you're not impulsive. Maybe you don't have a quick temper. Maybe you already do pause and think. But you might have some other areas that have not served you well and haven't served the people around you well. And that's where you'll see God's help. That's where you'll see changes being made. The only thing that Jesus seems to ask is, are you open to come and follow? Are you open to this? See, there's the prayer. There's the, there's the prayer. There's the heart cry. Help me be open to whatever you have for me. I want to be open. I want to be open. Help me to be willing to go in a different direction. Help me to be willing to think about this differently. Well, thank you for joining me. You've been listening to Celtic Preacher. Join with me again next week for another episode.